Welcome to the MetaPod, the Pokemon podcast that revolves around the evolving meta. Sean, it's week one back in home. I don't know where I was going with that with the week thing, but it's just, it feels <laughs> so nice to be back after being gone for so long. But it's also like bittersweet in a sense how are you doing today i mean i'm good i'm good i don't want to i don't want to get too deep into the bittersweet part i mean is it bittersweet because well, you're not bi- at naic anymore yeah i mean that's the that's why it's bittersweet like i had to leave the event you know and i had to go back home and i gotta work after we're done recording this podcast episode so it's it, it's a bittersweet feeling i think anybody that goes to a major event or hangs out with a lot of friends you know the first day that you have to go back to work just sucks <laughs> yeah i feel that so but anyways sean how are you doing i'm good i'm good jake my my weekend was not nearly as eventful as yours uh but it was nice i i I chilled i went and i went antiquing oh really i didn't get any base set charizards for like three (laughs) dollars man oh any antique pokemon binders no No. i did not i did we we bought a a gnome for the for the yard Because, you know, okay. that's what people in the suburbs do, Jake. They buy gnomes, <laughs> garden gnomes. You have a yard? Yeah, yeah, we have a house and a yard. It's okay. not big, but it's like, you okay. know, a little guy. And he sits there. Yeah, he's, he's just there. Yeah. He's there. You know, chilling, having fun. It's great. Dobby, okay. Yeah. Dobby the gnome. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, so. But, yeah, speaking of your, I mean, you went to NAIC, which we will get into in a bit. Um, I did get to watch some of the, the stream saw mm-hmm. uh a few of the matches including the finals match with cyrus um mm-hmm. and i also saw a match with a friend of mine jared grimes who was playing chien pao which was cool. jared grimes is the uh one of the creators of pokey stats for anyone oh, is who he? Is he one doesn't of the know yeah i'm pretty stats? one of the owners creators wow. um i'm trying to look it up real quick I mean, jared grimes it. He made a he he's like a developer and he made an app a few years made ago. Made Pokey Stats Live. Okay, that that, that is sense. the uh, that that's the official thing in the uh, what you call it the Twitter bio. This is me like I, I'm calling him my friend Cleo. I don't even know that he made Pokey Stats, but I I the thing that I know is like he made an app a few years ago during the pandemic mm-hmm. where people could create deck lists on their phone really easily, and he's a developer. So this this makes mm-hmm. sense, but um. Yeah, and Jake, what did we discover when we were like before, like during the first version of the podcast about Cyrus? That is, uh, that is often the abyss because we started over. Um, yeah. so Cyrus Davis, Cyrus Davis is the winner of the North American International Championships, which we'll get into her deck later and and everything like that. But actually, over I think like over three years ago. Yeah, just um, about three we years actually ago. yeah, just about or yeah, actually, because it was summer. So just about three years ago, we actually interviewed Cyrus Davis on the Metapod podcast for the historians of the Metapod podcast, <laughs> the lore people. Uh, it was all the way back in episode eight of the podcast. So I think like over 140 episodes ago, we yeah, uh, or just about 140 episodes. It's crazy. So we interviewed her, uh, and at the time she was helping to organize the Pog Atlas Pog the Atlas Championships. Pog. 
which mm-hmm. again for the historians out there was <laughs> the uh big pseudo world championships they did right after uh you know everything the was pandemic shut down. shut down everything you know there were no more official pokemon events yep so cyrus was helping to organize that and um if you want, you know, a, a walk back to to look at like what the world might have been like when we first started mm-hmm. and when uh it was very different in the Pokemon scene. Go 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 listen to that episode with Cyrus. It's great. I will say again, uh just try to look for episode 8. Cyrus has since changed their name um from a different name and so we have gone in like the our stuff, you know, the YouTube video, we've submitted the changes to you know the podcasting platforms and stuff to change it the title and such to their new name um but on in the episode you know we say their old name and you know depending on how fast it loads for them you know it may still have their old name or whatever so just look for episode eight that's the easiest way it's a very very good episode it was very very cool to talk about and you can hear about uh the reveal of (laughs) <laughs> one of my least favorite sets of all time which is champion's path oh yeah i wonder if we like, talked about the reveal in that episode <laughs> i wonder if uh it aged well like i wonder if our reveal is like oh it's amazing and then it was just like oh it's actually trash it's a- <laughs> i don't know um but it'll be uh it'll be there but um anyways Aside from that, let's get into the regular scheduled podcast. Uh, First, with the five-star review. Now, this isn't necessarily a five-star review. This is more of a very nice YouTube content uh, comment that was left um, after we released last week's episode right before NAIC. And Tron Dragon 44, this is how you know um, somebody listened to the whole podcast. So shout-outs to you, Tron, because... I only said this at the end of the podcast that I was playing Hisuian Gudra V-Star for NAIC. And Tron says, ah, I knew there was a, le- a reason I like Jake. Always happy to see another lost goo player. We'll have to try to find your list afterwards. Good luck with the goo. Um, for the YouTube exclusive people, I will be posting the list soon. I don't know exactly when, but within the next couple days, probably after this podcast episode releases, you'll be able to see it. I'll make it in the community section of YouTube. I'll make a community post over there so you can see that list. And I'll also be posting it on our Twitter, MetapodTCG. Um, although I officially went one, three, two drops. So I don't know if you really want the list, but if you Spoilers. want the list, Spoilers, it is it is fun. I mean, I like Gudra. I just think, um, and we'll talk about it. I mean, I guess I could talk about it now because we're not really going to well, talk about Gudra in the I mean, evaluation. We, I want to. I want to talk about your NAIC run when we talk about NAIC. No, you know, we hold, don't need to. We don't need to talk about the NAIC run that I had. I just. <laughs> I mean, run. short. Long story short, Gudra I think was much better previous to Palde evolved. It's just. I mean, I used Gudra like once one game in the best of three series. So I, I mean, I just primarily played a lost box deck. That <laughs> you was played pretty bad much it. lost box. <laughs> yeah. I just played lost box without the Dragonite and Raikou and stuff. So that's how my NAIC run left, but you're more than welcome to uh, take my, uh, take my list if you would like, but Sean, that's enough of that talk and whatnot. Along with, you know, the events and, and stuff like that with NAIC, this is a reminder that they did give out a free full art Iono code 
over in the stream for the North American International Championships. If you watch that, um, I think, is it just on Twitch or was it also streamed on YouTube? It was also streamed on YouTube. That's where I watched it. Yeah, so, I mean, either one that you watched um, in whatever platform you prefer, I think you'll be able to see this code. But if you do want it, it is NAIC23. Who's uh, what's it? It yeah. is <laughs> an absurd strange. code compared to the other codes that they've had in the past. Um, I will leave it in the show notes. I'll leave it in the YouTube description so then you can see it, copy paste it. Um, but again, it's NAIC 23. Who's a what's it? Yeah, it's and the it, W is everything up until the first W and who is capitalized. And everything yes. after that is lowercase. If that matters, I actually don't know if it matters. I don't know if it matters yeah. either. I haven't redeemed mine. You have until July 10th to redeem it. And only 100,000 copies will be available. But I think um, in the past when they've done these, I have done it like a couple days after NAIC and it has still worked. Um, so yeah. I, I think it'll I think you're probably fine if you do it after you listen to this podcast episode. But um not only that sean i will say though it's not the fancy it's not the full art iono that's like the best version no it's not the it's not the sar you know the special illustration rare or whatever um the super money expensive one it is the regular full art but personally i like the regular full art better so works for me okay yeah fun fact um (laughs) but you can get this but you could also get more i want to mention this sean you didn't put it in the notes oh but Twitch actually held Twitch drops during this stream. Um, I don't know if it lasted, but um, my partner who's listening to the uh, watching the stream and stuff, because now they're into Pokemon cards, too, um, (laughs) because of me collateral damage. But um, they were saying how Twitch drops was active during the Twitch stream. I don't know if it was also for YouTube. I can't confirm that. Um, but this was, I believe, the first time that they've ever had Twitch drops on a Pokemon TCG live stream um, on Twitch. And with the Twitch drops as well, if you're not familiar with Twitch drops, it's like if you watch a certain amount of time, you get like a prize and then you connect your account in Twitch to whatever it is. Um, and so this instance, they were actually using Twitch drops for Paldea Evolved online packs. I don't oh, know if you just got one. I don't know if you got multiple, but um, that was just a cool little thing that I wanted to note that they did um, because I would hope that they do that every single stream. That's now. a really that's really cool. I mean, yeah, I wonder if it makes sense for NAIC because I know they kind of mm-hmm. pulled out a lot of stops for this one. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. they did the code for the Iono. Um, there's another sweepstakes we'll talk about in a second. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so. My guess is they'll probably do something similar for Worlds, though. That mm-hmm. also just makes sense, right? And um, yeah, that's really awesome, though. They did not do anything like that on YouTube because I believe on YouTube they actually turn the comments off entirely. Okay. So like, yeah, it, it, there's not the same functionality, but that's awesome. I know that there are drops on YouTube because I know for like the Overwatch League, I know I get token drops. Oh, um, uh, by watching this stuff on YouTube because it's exclusive to YouTube. Um, 
so I don't know if the drops worked on YouTube for the packs, and I don't know if they really worked at all, because I think I heard someone <laughs> say something like that they were having trouble with the drops distributing it, so who knows, but um, hopefully that's something that they work on, they improve, and, you know, they continue doing in the future, because I, I think that's just another reason to watch, you know. Um, but anyway, Sean, what is this sweepstakes that you're talking about? Because I actually do not know what this is. Yeah, so uh, they also announced um, at the end of last week before NAIC started a sweepstakes where the Pokemon company is going to be giving away one booster box of every set of Sword and Shield to three different winners. Um, and it is a true sweepstakes, meaning you have to like, you enter and it's a random drawing. Um, there's also going to be 50 runner ups that will receive one random box of Sword and Shield. Um, any of the details, like you can certainly go look it up, but you have to be 13 and you have to live in a few different specific areas, the US and Canada, except for Quebec, which is interesting. Um, the UK, Ireland, New Zealand, but then also Peru, Argentina, and Mexico, which I'm like, interesting, like three non-English speaking countries alongside mm -hmm. the main ones, but all, but not Australia, New Zealand, but not Australia. I, it's very strange, but um, that goes on until July 10th. Um, it's, uh, you know, the link to that is on Pokey Beach on the article there. So if you can go check that mm -hmm. out. I just um, signed myself up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, it's free. It took literally a minute. Exactly. Like you give them your, your where you live uh, region wise, your email and your birthday, just so they mm -hmm. can confirm those things. And hey, you may get an email in the future saying you're going to get 12 boxes of Pokemon cards that you can either open up or, or make a nice little display of the whole Sword and Shield era, which is cool. And again, this is the first time that TPCI has held such a contest and you can enter from now until July 10th. So about a week away now, a little less than a week away. So just go do it right now, you know, before you forget. Um, very, very cool. I mean, it's completely free. Um, you'll probably start getting like newsletters and stuff. I mean, it may be one of those things where Pokemon starts sending you newsletters um, <laughs> for the card game. But honestly, I mean, they put online codes in the newsletters in the past. So um, it may not be such a bad thing to uh, do, Sean. I mean, I will say it's not the worst uh, spam to get is spam from Pokemon. Mm -hmm. So, you know. <laughs> uh, the but last... Sean... Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Do you want to take it? I, I mean, I was just going to say the last piece of news before we get into NAIC is the, the documentary last... series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the, I think, isn't this, this is the documentary series that we talked about last week, The Road to Worlds. Um, I was wondering, I think I said, I was wondering if they would like release it once a week or whatever, like leading up to Worlds. Um, but they just did four episodes, four days in a row on the official uh, YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting, Sean, because this title says originally planned for Netflix. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it briefly, but remember how last year they did that casting call and everything. Mm -hmm. And at the time, there was speculation that there was like, oh, are they trying to do something for Netflix? Apparently, this and maybe the other series, the How Do You Play, that lives on the Pokemon website, mm -hmm. both may have been shopped to Netflix as a series. Like, I think of The Road to Worlds as kind of like, if I were to be pitching that to Netflix, it's not dissimilar from Drive to Survive. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like following. I don't know niche. that show. So Drive to Survive is the F1 documentary series that's on Netflix. Four mm-hmm. seasons, super popular. But after that, there's been a couple of other documentary series that have also been released on Netflix. It's called Breakpoint, which talks about tennis. There was one that I watched um, called, uh, it's about the Tour de France. I can't remember the name of the series, but it was actually filmed for French Netflix. And they released it with, you know, dubs and subs um, in the U.S. So this was kind of, in my mind, it's kind of a similar take on that. I think the I, the biggest reason for me maybe it wouldn't have gotten picked up is that it does shill pretty hard for Pokemon from the perspective of, like, a Netflix, right? It's very, like, it's a little too It's friendly. really niche, yeah. Yeah, it's it's both niche and it's also, like, produced by the Pokemon company. So it doesn't have this outsider's perspective. It's very Mm -hmm. insider perspective, insider, um, you know, sensibilities, if you will. Like they're not going to show too many of the negative things. They're not going to show, you know, any of that. But um, I did watch the whole series. Have you, have you watched any of it, Jake? I have not because I was busy, you know, at NAIC and and working and stuff. So um i didn't get to watch it i do plan on watching it because i've actually heard really really good things about it and i saw i think that they like played i don't know if they played all the episodes but they at least played one i'm pretty sure uh with isaiah bradner another former guest of the metapod podcast um there was an episode about him right yeah i mean the whole series followed the same crew of like players there's like sort of two groups mm-hmm. there's isaiah's testing group i say isaiah okay it's like isaiah and sam chen and um john ang and reagan retzloff right mm-hmm. so they have like a whole testing group with justin mccari and others so they followed them throughout like maybe like a three or four month period at a few major events and then they also followed um <clears throat> a seniors division player from germany as well uh sort of separately um yeah and that was that was the um the series so all four episodes feature those same players interesting so i mean it was they were playing it at naic and obviously with like audio and i was doing all these other things i didn't really watch it but um that was kind of nice that they played it over there and i'm glad that they're at least like easily accessible you know yeah they're they're pretty good. They're like twenty to twenty five minutes per, so very much in mm-hmm. that Netflix territory. Um, I'll be interested to see if they remake them for this year, or if this was like a we did a thing. It was cool because I think that's one of the benefits of the Drive to Survive series is that mm-hmm. you follow a group, you get to know them, but then you follow them again the next year, right? And so the whole point is that like over the course of a couple of seasons of the TV show, you really get to know some of the different personalities. You can introduce new ones, whatever, but like, um, but I don't know. I mean, look, if, if this is as far as it ever goes, it was pretty impressive. In my opinion. Yeah. It's just like, I feel like it's tough because this game is ever changing and ever evolving. Yeah. Um, whereas like, I mean, I'm sure formula one evolves and changes in its own aspects, but like, it's not as much of a change. Like we only yeah. see, rcsv star for an x amount of period of time whereas you'll see cars racing all the time um or maybe is that not comparable in a sense i'm it may be like apples to oranges 
I mean, it's a little apples to oranges because I will say that in F1, you at least have the constants that like, for the most part, it's the same teams every year. Mm-hmm. And the drivers may change. Like there might be four or five different drivers, but that's about it. Of like the mm-hmm. 20 drivers or whatever, <clears throat> maximum four, four of them are probably changing in a year. Whereas in Pokemon, like, you know, any player can do good, can do poorly. There's hundreds of players, honestly, that are world-class that could do well at any given event like you know the top ones but outside of that there's still a lot of really good players right like so it's you know still cool series definitely check it out i will say with the um talking about netflix and stuff and shows on netflix pokemon uh, concierge Cons- i don't what concierge. is that word Concierge uh, was announced over at Anime Expo. It's a stop motion um, little Pokemon series that is uh, being partnered with Netflix. And there was a teaser that was shown as well. So no release date has been announced for that yet. But um, that's a little cool something. You know, Pokemon will get a show on Netflix. So I wonder if they like pitched a couple different ideas to them and netflix was like we'll pick the best one or the one that we like the best um and just happened to choose that one maybe yeah this was an interesting one um they this one i think is probably being produced in japan is my guess Mm -hmm. so i think so too i mean it's cool to see that pokemon like they are this massive ip and obviously pokemon has the tv show and they make movies so it's not like they don't they don't make things like this sometimes but it is cool to see them branching out with the ip in like different ways um yeah so that's that's about it though for this piece of news we do are Mm -hmm. you ready to get into naic jake i am so ready to get into naic and relive the fun that i had truthfully so So, tell us your story before we say the story of the event i want to hear your story jake what was it like for you Okay, so I went in and I bought a competitor's um, pass and competitor's badge and things like that and competed. And I didn't go into there being like, oh, I'm going to make day two. I'm going to win, you know, NAIC 2023. I went in being like, you know what? This is one of the only events throughout the year that I can like actually go to because of work and stuff. I haven't really played a ton because live has been something um it's definitely been something but also just because i don't have time to play uh there's no big locals around here within like 45 minutes so i went in and i was like i just want to win one game that's not a buy i want to win one game and i did that round one uh i played lost box gudra um again like i said earlier i i don't think it was like a great call just play like a regular lost box deck um (laughs) I do think, though, that there were cards like I played a baby Zamazenta in there. I think that was a great call. Um, I think that Lost Box uh, builds could play the baby Zamazenta because the baby Zamazenta does awesome hitting 220. Um, and then also for weakness and some Gardevoir and Chin Pao decks, um, especially if you're like me and you're at the bottom tables, you might see a lot of, you know, Chin Pao. And you probably also saw a lot of Gardevoir because I think it was like 25 percent of day one um which is crazy but 
So it was a ton of fun. I mean, I just kept getting better and better as each round went on. You know, when I faced Lost Box the second time, I was uh i was a little bit better even though like i didn't win obviously gardevoir same thing you know i just approached the matchup way better um but i feel like i mean i expected you know day two and day three to hang out with friends and i did just that you know i i had so it was crazy because i went in 2019 and i went you know as a spectator you know literally just going and hanging out with friends and stuff but at the time, like I just knew content creators mm -hmm. um, and I just knew as like someone who just started making content, whereas, you know, this year was way different because, you know, I'm I'm way more active in the Pokemon TCG Twitter community. You know, I have many mutuals from there. We've made the podcast for three years now. Yep. So there's a lot of people that have listened to that. And it was just it was a completely different experience, like going and being with friends and so that's why i recommend you know if you this is an evaluation that i had if you go to naic or regional or worlds or something like that um because not everyone is you know maybe knows as many people as we do you know you probably your average listener just knows maybe they're locals or or things like that or content creators um like i had mentioned i did in 2019 make sure that you like go and meet up as many people as possible and hang out with other people. You know, if you're in the uh, Tricky Gym Discord server, right? I know that was a big one. I hung out with a lot of people that were in that server and um, knew each other from that server. Maybe I never met in real life, but they all came together at that event um, because it's uh, for some of them, you know, living in Akron um, or Ohio surrounding area, it was easy to get to that event. Um, so that's what I really recommend because I it was I enjoyed both times, but this one just meant way more, even though I went one, three, two drop. But one of the things that I also realized is I love playing other formats, Sean. Yeah, I so I went one, three, two drop in the event in standard guess what yeah in standard in the main event i played one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven i played 11 games in other formats guess what my record was i seven and four i played 11 rounds wait one two three <laughs> 11 my so i went eight two and one in other formats that i played and this wasn't i mean it's not like just the four person pre-release build and battle pod the first alternate format that i played i played in glc i played in the largest side event glc ever sean it was over 300 people that played in this best of one three round tournament insane because that's bigger than australian regionals yeah so i play i played in that one um i played a i i went two one okay um nice. but it, it was like two one with an asterisk and i'll explain so i played water with the special energies uh geared towards special energy water with reversal splash gift um because i was playing the waylord that hits for 240 uh, when you have a special energy attached to it, big old whale lord. So 
I went I went two one with that with an asterisk because round one I played against Electric, right? And just because it was a weakness, you know, matchup, that doesn't mean the asterisk. The asterisk is I went first because my opponent won the coin flip in GLC Gym Leader Challenge format. If you do not know, it's a singleton single type format. Um I and so ideally you want to go second to use a supporter and you know use an attack. I lost the coin flip, so I had to go first. I promoted Snom, right, as my active, as my only Pokemon on the field. I drew my card, I attached to Snom, I said pass. Uh, <laughs> couldn't get any other basics out. And so what they did, they had Voltorb in the active, they attached an air balloon to it, they put down Thunderous Assault Zapdos. Sean, do you remember that card? Uh, is that the one where it they comes had, from the bench and it's like one energy and it does 120? Yep, they attached an energy, moved it up to the active, and so because of that, they were able to do 80 damage and knock out my little Snom. Um, yep. So I lost, but then we played a fun game because that game was literally two turns and we had 28 minutes left in the round. <laughs> um, we played a fun round and I won. It was a full game and I won. So it's like... It's two and one with an asterisk because I, f I truly feel like my deck was better. Um, yeah. But Pokemon but be just, like that sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pokemon's just like that sometimes. But anyways, round two, I played against Dragon. Round three, I played against Dark. Uh, won both of those. Um, and so got 200 tickets from that because they were, it was a $10 event. And so they were giving out double tickets for that. Um and so I'll get into more of the prizes later uh, with my thoughts on like how that whole thing side events were going. Oh my gosh, it was crazy though. Because um, in the Gym Leader Challenge format, so you know Gym Leader Challenge format, very friendly, made by Andrew Mahone and Tricky Jim, popularized um, by them. And so in the past, if you've gone to their events, online events, or I'm sorry, not online events, the in-person events when they were holding the 1Ks, especially or their local nights i believe this also applies you're allowed to have japanese cards right you're allowed to have other versions of cards because some cards are just really hard to get or maybe you want to bling out your deck right with a uh let's say full art hapu that was only released in tag all-stars in japanese um and not in english so They've done, they usually do that, and people like to play with the secret rare um, Japanese energies as well. Very, very pretty. But it was interesting because they, and you also can use like whatever sleeves you want, you know, as long as they're the same sleeves, because it's just a fun format. In this, they didn't tell anybody beforehand, because I had no idea. Um, but after like, when round one started, they made an announcement and said that there were no Japanese cards allowed. Only TPCI cards were allowed. Same language allowed. Um, and you could not have the custom sleeve. So like the Pokemon rule, right? If you enter an official yeah. Pokemon TCG event, it has to be single color sleeves and not see-through. Um, so like you couldn't have... Um, or like if you, you had to have official like Pokemon sleeves, like I think you can use the ETB sleeves, right? Yeah, um, I think so. But I mean, your point was but, that like, it's weird that they just decided to have different rules than the typical GLC format at the last without, second. Without, without telling anybody yeah. um, until the event had started. So there were a lot of judge proxies. I think there was one guy 
um, popular in the Tricky Gym community who like literally had every single card in his deck proxied with an energy and just written whatever it was on it because the judge came around and just proxied his entire deck because it was like all Japanese cards. But then after round two, they reinstated Japanese cards proxies I'm and sure stuff they like that. And how absurd. Some, well, I think, well, this is just the rumor mill because I'm not in the Discord. They let Andrew Mahone know. Yeah. And he called up some people. And I saw some TPCI people that are usually, that are pretty notable people in the community go up to the table and talk after round one because my round one wasn't very long. Um, <laughs> and then they reversed it. So I don't know, but it was, hey. man, that was the... That kudos was the first part of the, yeah. I, I was mean, gonna say kudos to them for being willing to be like, oh, let, we're gonna walk this one back. We're gonna walk this one back. I just it, it just seems so silly <laughs> to me to not allow it in an unofficial format. But whatever, I don't make the rules. I don't know how <laughs> like it has to go. I don't know anything about the judges and the staffing and stuff like that. I don't know how it has to go. Whatever, what it takes to run side events, things like that. But anyways. So I went to one in that, got a bunch of tickets, very excited about that. Then I played in my first cube oh. over the weekend, my first cube draft. So if you do not know, a cube draft is basically like there's a pool of cards. And so everybody gets a set stack of Pack. certain cards, potentially. Well, in this one, we got a we got some cards. So we got like we got like 20 cards okay. that were set. Um, well, you didn't have to play it, but you got these as part of your um, draft, as okay. they say. And then, as you're saying, Sean, the rest of the pool of cards gets like randomized in packs. And then it's passed around and you you pick, you have a pack, you pick a card from it, you pass your pack onto the next person, you grab it from the person to your other side, pick a card, switch it. And so... We played a Zorark cube, Zorark GX. Um, so it was a cube. The guaranteed cards were like a 4-4 line of Zorark, four double colorless, four puzzle of time, four versus seeker. Um, four puzzle of time. Isn't that card banned? Didn't that card get banned in like normal formats? Well, I formats? mean, it's... Well, I mean, it might be banned and expanded, no, that's but what I'm standard... saying. That's, that's, that's wild, though. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's cool. But the cube was built around every single partner and stuff all the popular cards that zorark gx had mm. so throughout its tenure so there was trash Alanche, there was macargo there was um there was lichen rock there was gardevoir all these partners potential partners for control even like a rangaroos in there <laughs> um and so it was a it was really, really cool as someone who has never drafted before in any card game um, who's been around long enough to know Zorark and know Zorark's partners and stuff like that to be able to draft for the first time. Because because like I'm like, OK, Zorark. And after I get like one or two cards, you know, the first couple cards, um, especially when it's Pokemon, you know, like Lycanroc. Uh, bloodthirsty eyes lichen rock i'm like okay i kind of know how i want to build my deck and stuff like that and so then i know kind of what i'm going for um so it was really really cool for a first time player i built a i tweeted it um over on my personal twitter i played a um 
a Zorark, um, Zorark Lycanroc because I felt like in a format with Zorarks everywhere, I feel like a fighting type Pokemon was a really good idea um, <laughs> hitting for weakness. So I think that um, was a smart I played, call. <laughs> I, I mean, it was because I went undefeated. I went a perfect 3-0 hey. um, in the event. Filthy busted broken deck. Friend Ball is the best card in that deck. Sean, do you remember what Friend Ball does? Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. It was. A, yeah. It searches for a Pokemon of the same type as one that you have on the field from your deck, or something. No, 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 or... no. It, it's on your opponent's side of the oh, field. Oh, right, right. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So it's literally broken in Zorark mirrors uh, because <laughs> yeah. you just. It's an extra way to search for your Zorark, and maybe it can find you know um, a Tapu Lele. Maybe it can find. Um, Dedenne. Just yeah, just anything that your opponent may have, because I mean, there were multiple copies. I think there was like eight Guzmas in the field um, mm -hmm. and there were like I think there was like five or six Lycanroc GXs. So, um, you know, there was a good shot that you'd be able to find something um, to be able to utilize. But most of the time you're just using Zuru's Zorark. But um, the first round I played against first and second round because we decided to do best two out of three um zorak macargo gardevoir one 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 pretty handily and then round three I, we only opted to play one it was against like a luke metal zorak gx control there was seismitoad in there there was jetsis in there jetsis sean insane card um i understand why i got banned um <laughs> It just a whole but it was built entirely around control and i almost lost to it i ran out of energy but my opponent who played it really well um just did not utilize their resources enough didn't put up the um resource management oranguru and uh deck themselves out no, so, no. unfortunate but i went undefeated in the zora cube uh first ever cube undefeated in cube so best cube player ever and then <laughs> what was arguably the coolest different format that I played in, I actually entered into Riley, Riley Wren's um, 2010 Worlds format. Sean, have you ever played in 2010 Worlds no. format? No. This is Pokemon SPs. This is level Xs. This is Diamond and Pearl era. Um, I never played this format before I, I couldn't even tell you like what cards were in this format before this event <laughs> and um i was blessed to uh be able to borrow a deck from someone because i don't own any of these cards um edge tcg edward a friend of mine we had met up and we were we were originally going to go have lunch but then we met up over there at the event um, and then it just he was like, hey, I have a couple 2010 decks. Do you want to play in it? And I was like, sure. And he let me borrow a deck. I tweeted this one out as well. I played Gyarados, which okay. Gyarados was 130 HP Pokemon. And it had an attack that was free, didn't cost any energies. That was 30 times. And it was 30 times the amount of Magikarp in your discard pile. Um, okay, so, so that was the whole 120. Well, no, you can only do up to 90. Because oh, um, one of the Magikarp well, you is under your base. Yeah, because there, yeah. no, there was no ditto in the format yeah. or anything like that, or in the deck, at least. Um, so you had to do that. But 
what was really cool is it played broken time space sean do you know what broken time space as a stadium is no broken time space is a stadium where you can skip the evolution rule skip the evolution turn rule so what you could do is you could have one gyarados on the field if you have a, a broken time space in play the gyarados gets knocked out right sent to the discard pile you have four Magikarp in the discard pile now and one Gyarados, let's hypothetically say. You've got Gyarados in your hand and you have um, a way to get a Magikarp out of the discard pile and onto the bench. What you could do is you could use that item card or whatever to grab the Magikarp from the discard pile, put it on the bench, immediately evolve into Gyarados, your very next thing, and then attack with it again. So insanely cool deck. <laughs> I thought it was so much fun. Um, being able to do that and i it was honestly like one of the better decks for me to play because um edge he had a couple different options for me but this one was like the most easiest to understand there were a lot of cards that were um there was like zinnia's resolve in there um or an iteration of zinnia's resolve there was um professor elm's lecture or bridget um it's called pokey collector um, but that's some good comparisons. Those were those were in the deck. There was also this insane card, Sean. Think about, okay, so the 2010, I, I love talking about this because I think this is so cool. In the 2010 format, Sean, this is how a game starts. You know, you match up with your opponent, you sit down, do not coin flip yet. You actually set up your board. So you put an active Pokemon down and you put six prizes out. And then you coin flip Hmm. and then you coin flip. You coin flip after you set up your deck, but in the coin flip. So my opponent calls heads or tails. Let's say, Sean, you're my opponent. You call tails. The coin hits heads, right? In today's format, I would decide whether I want to go first or second, but that's not the case in 2010. Whoever wins the coin flip just simply goes first. Yeah, it's the same in the um, old Watsi era. Yeah. The, the player, but, if you win, you just go first. That's it. What's even crazier, though, is there a, there's, a car, there's a card called Sableye. Sableye is like the ideal starter in 2010 for a lot of decks. Not every single deck, but a lot of decks. Because it has this, I think it's Pokebody, because it's not necessarily abilities yeah, it's like in this era. Ability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's anyways, it's kind of like an ability. Anyways, it has this Pokebody that says if you start Sableye as your active Pokemon, disregard the coin flip and go first. <laughs> what? And if both players play Sableye and start Sableye, use the coin flip to decide who goes first. <laughs> It is one of the wacky, like we talk about wacky cards on here and we love Aerodactyl V-Star. I, that Sableye is insane. It is so (laughs) weird. Cause like you could do the coin flip and like you could be really excited. Like, yes, I get to go first. And then your opponent just flips over Sableye and it's like, well, I guess you have to go first now. Yeah. Um, And it's not like an option thing either. Um, It's a guarantee. And in this format as well, in this format, you can attach an energy going first. You can attack going first. And I'll get into that more in a second. But you can't play any trainer cards going oh, first. You can't play stadiums. You can't different. play item cards. 
You can't play supporters. No trainer cards. But this Sableye had an attack for free. Didn't cost anything. I think it's called like impersonate, if memory serves correctly. Uh -huh. What it does is you look in your deck, you grab a supporter, and you put it in your discard pile. The supporter that you put in your discard pile, you use that effect. So you can, going first, you can't play any trainer cards, but if you start Sableye, you can force yourself to go first, attack for free, and use a supporter essentially for the first turn of the game to end your turn. It's, uh, I don't even know if that's broken, but it feels broken from the it's perspective insane. of today. Yeah. Yeah, it's so weird. It's, <laughs> it's so crazy. I, Man, this podcast is going to be long because I'm just going to be talking about this format, but it was so cool. Um, I'll go over my matchups kind of quickly because because um, most people probably I don't even really know. Um, the first round, I actually played against the guy who let me borrow the decks. Um, he whooped me. He was playing like a Lucario Garchomp uh, level X, Luxray level X. He beat me pretty handedly. Round two, I faced a mirror match that was a little bit different. It was a Gyarados deck. Um, I won. That was actually a really, really cool mirror match. I had a lot of fun with that. Um, Arceus, I played against round three, won. It was a really cool Arceus because it was an Arceus that had like 10 different type, every single type of hmm. Arceus that was in the game. There was normal, there was an electric Arceus, there was a dark Arceus, there was a fire. So cool. Um, I won against that round four. I had a no show. Uh, I guess the guy just wanted to watch the event and forgot to come back. But because I won, I was able to ID into top eight. And uh, that was really cool for not knowing any of the cards until 10 <laughs> minutes before the event. Um, I ID'd into top eight. And then because of the timing of the event, we actually didn't play out top eight. We just split top eight winnings because like, my buddy who let me borrow the deck, his flight had to leave like 15 minutes before top eight would have started. Yeah. And I was borrowing his deck. So I would either have to mail it to him after the event or he would just take it and I'd have to pretty much concede. Um, so they just decided out of fairness to just split top eight. Um, and so I got 12 packs out of it of Scarlet and Violet. And then also with the prizes, they were doing a thing. So I mentioned I got those 200 tickets from GLC. They were doing, they were giving away a lot of things. And man, if I have any recommendation to TPCI or any event organizers, staff the staff the side event or the staff the staff the prize table way bigger if you can with volunteers and stuff, because the line was insane. If you were there, it was so long. It was so crazy. It was so crazy that they had a separate line for people who just wanted to exchange their tickets for booster packs, like just pure booster packs. And so it was actually 10 tickets for a Scarlet and Violet booster pack. So I got 20 booster packs of Scarlet and Violet on top of the 12. So you basically got that a booster I got box. from the event. I basically got a booster box and only paid $10 for it. Because the amazing. GLC entry was $10. So it was really, really cool. Um, and there was a lot of great stuff. Obviously, scalping was a problem um, with the... I did get the uh, Pokemon NAIC um, exclusive deck box. It's a double deck box in here. Um, so very, very cool. It's magnetized. Um, I did get that, but I know there was a problem with like 
that and the playmat and the backpack that were scalped to all heck um, and posted on Facebook. So I don't really know how to combat that as, you know, an organizer, but please organizers for any events in the future that you have. You know what they also did at NAIC in the prize section, which is why I think the lines got so long as well for a portion of it. They were giving away master sets for tickets. Oh, so like someone that I know in our discord server, they pulled together um, all their tickets. They just played. It was a four person group. They just played four person pods of the on demand standard events or whatever. And they pulled together all their tickets because I think if you did a four person pod and you had all four people try to like pull together tickets, you get like 140 tickets per pod. Mm -hmm. And they pulled together all their tickets and got a brilliant stars master set. Wow. From the prize tables, the master sets cost cost $700. I don't know how many they had. They were apparently just short, like 30 minutes short of. I think. I think it was unbroken bonds. Wow. Um, I don't know that exactly for they were 30 minutes um, away from the set that they really, really wanted, um, which I I believe was unbroken bonds. I could be wrong about that, but. That led to chaos when word got out about that. In my opinion, the lines were not long until that like stuff got out about the master sets and it was insane the line was awful it was terrible i'm sure they were overwhelmed um it, it was crazy but no like overall i met so many people there were so many people from the metapod um that listened you know just people that i know that i finally got to meet and uh man it was it, you know like when you go back and like you have a depression of like, man, I wish I was just back over there. I don't want to be working like that's that's how I felt. Um, yeah. But I've started a new goal of collecting. I mean, I've kind of already started this, but collecting past decks of prior formats. So then I don't have to borrow someone's deck when I enter a 2010 tournament, you know, just have events or have, you know, decks from popular formats and i've got some of them already started like the i bought all the world's decks from 2022 and you nice. know i have most of the i have some of the decks from like 2019 worlds um because i built them myself um yeah. back when they were still standard and stuff so it was so cool i recommend naic or really any event you know meet a ton of people the games were fun you know i didn't take it too seriously and I just I had a really good time. It was insane. I, I mean, I won't forget it. It That's was awesome. awesome. That's and amazing. thanks to everyone who came up and said that they listened to the Metapod. That's cool. That's yeah, uh, yeah there were I, a lot of people. But please, if you ever meet one of us at an event, tell us who you are. Username. <laughs> Don't just say, hey, I listen to the Metapod. You know, if you go if you follow us on Twitter and you interact with us on Twitter, tell us your Twitter handle, because especially check in day. I was in the check-in line and the check-in line was like really big and it wrapped mm -hmm. around like a lot of things. And there were a lot of people that waved hi to me. They were like, oh. Jake, and they waved and we were kind of in passing. And I was like, hello. <laughs> and I had no idea who you were. I'm so I sorry. Mean, I mean, part of it too. I mean, we, I, I have a terrible time with names. So even if <laughs> I've seen your name. If you like, but, tell me your Twitter handle, I'll know yeah. you. 
Jake, I will but say like, Jake is Jake is uh, manning the Twitter helm, if you will. But also, if you want to, I don't know if this is something that uh, people did, but if, if people take photos with either of us or want to take a photo, feel free to tag Metapod, you know, mm-hmm. in the photo, whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're both, we're both just dudes. It's, I was just <laughs> I was having so much fun that I didn't really take pictures. I was just yeah. having so much fun. But um, yeah, always up for a picture. I signed some rallets, gave away some rallets. Excellent. Um, there's even one rallet, um, gnarly over on Twitter, Casey, um, someone that I've known, you know, through my content, through the Metapod, um, actually met up with him and his friend over on, um, in like a pizza place. Oh, cool. Yeah. Like we were just talking and, you know, they were like, wait, are you Jake? And I was like, yeah. And I looked at him for a second. I was like, are you Casey? And he was like, yeah. And so Casey is officially the only person that has a signed atrocious Jake Rallet in blue pen. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Blue pen, not Sharpie, not black pen, blue pen. So there's only one out there. Pop one. Yeah. When you send it to PSA, be sure to make send them this clip so that they know this is yeah, a yeah, one of yeah. one. Top one uh, atrocious Jake Rowlett. But anyways, Sean, Paldea yep. Evolved, NAIC. This is the official format for the World Championship. So I've talked about my experience casually as a player, but we would be doing a disservice to people preparing for the World Championships or preparing to go back to locals, right? Yep. Or playing online. If we didn't talk about the best decks and the best performing decks, from the North American International Championships, Sean. So let's get into that. I will say it was like 20%, 25% Gardevoir. Uh, it was like 20% almost of Lost Box. So we're going to talk about just a couple of the lists. And then next week, we'll talk about more and more of the list because a lot of news came out this week. Probably not going to be a lot next week. But Sean, let's at least show the winning deck because it is a super unique deck. What is the winning deck from the North American International Championships. Well, as we alluded to earlier, it is from Cyrus, and she played a deck I don't think anybody saw coming. I mean, I saw a couple people super gassy on Twitter. I know kind of called it, and I know a couple other people did too, so sorry I forget. I saw a couple people, but this, in my opinion, not a lot of people had this on their radar. I mean, I did not. That is for sure. Uh, so this deck, if you if you want, I will also say, go watch the finals VOD. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically game two of the finals VOD, because game one was a bit of a sad for uh, Ian. And game three, they I, did you watch any of the VOD of game three, Jake? I No, I watched game three, because we actually, in the 2010 tournament, didn't start talking and discussing top eight until after the finals finished because Riley and, and Cyrus are good friends. And, you know, they, there were a lot of people there that were cheering on Cyrus and, and community and Ian as well. And very excited about the matchup, honestly. So we, we waited until it was over to, to talk about splitting, but yeah, the, the reason I mentioned it, because on stream, basically they, they didn't get any of the match on stream of game Mm -hmm. three. Because they were focused, they kept the camera on the prizes, and the match was like literally done the second they moved the camera back to the table. The match was already over. They'd already had two two turns. So, Sean, um, 
Rapid Strike Inteleon and Urshifu VMAX was the deck that won. And just to give you a heads up, the other person, Ian Rob, he was playing Arceus, Duraladon, Umbreon. And mm -hmm. so essentially in a synopsis of game three, started Arceus, went second. Uh, Cyrus had an Urshifu and in a Remorade down. Um, they attached pass to the Urshifu and then um, yep. Ian attached to Arceus, said pass yeah, um, he, or at least accelerated in energy. He professors research, but did not find a Pokemon, apparently. Yeah, just couldn't find a Pokemon, said pass. And then I think the top deck was Octillery um, or it was either Octillery or the Rapid Strike energy evolved into Octillery. Rapid Strike Search, Tower of Waters, attach the Rapid Strike Energy to Urshifu, bop, knockout, win, yeah. NAIC, international champion. Um, yeah. It was insane. It was so cool. But it was really cool to watch and listen in, and which is why we recommend game two of this, because, you know, you see the special energies in there in no path to the peak. So you would think that Duraludon is a really bad matchup, but Cyrus, she did an excellent job of ma maneuvering, you know, placing the damage counters, things like that with the double gunner ability. Um, Inteleon VMAX being able to spread those damage counters by discarding water energies through its ability and then using Radiant Alakazam to manipulate where those damage counters went and then Medicham, Medicham V, the Rapid Strike Pokemon, um, using Yoga Loop to put two damage counters on a Pokemon, knock it out, and then take another turn, basically skip their opponent's turn. So I know they Yoga Looped in game two, right? Yep, they did. They yeah, did so it was a huge moment. And this list is awesome. And you can get this list, honestly, for pretty cheap because I think the Rapid Strike box part um, without the Inteleons was in a building yeah. battle or not building like battle. Um, yeah, one of the league decks. Um, and then you could probably get your Inteleons for decently cheap because I think Inteleon V and VMAX was also, well, I think it was, you can get your Inteleon Vs pretty easily, I think, maybe. I can't way, remember. I mean, um, this, it's not an expensive card. Like, <laughs> it's been out there for a long time. Mm -hmm. People have pulled tons of it. Um, yeah, the whole base of the list is basically almost entirely from battle decks. I, the most expensive card in the list might be the Radiant Alakazam at this point. It uh, may be like Inteleon VMAX, Radiant Alakazam, or the Ionos. Yeah, which, or maybe the Forest Sealstone. Forest Sealstone Actually, is. Actually, yeah, Forest Sealstone is probably the most expensive. I did remember buying those a couple weeks ago. Yeah. But the weird thing about this deck, and I, I guess I didn't ever process how many rapid strike cards i don't know mm -hmm. this is the first time i've ever seen the octillery show how powerful it can be because with this octillery if you don't know what it does it has an ability that says once during your turn you can search your deck for a rapid strike card and put it into your hand um now rapid strike card can be any card that has rapid strike on it mm -hmm. and that includes obviously inteleons and urshifus like all of your Pokemon, except for Alakazam and Luminion, are findable via Octillery. That's great. Outside of that, though, you can also go find a supporter like Corinna's Focus, which allows you to draw until you have six. You know, situational, but still, it's a supporter for free that you can get on any turn. You can yeah. also 
go get your energy, a special energy in Rapid Strike Energy. Which is huge because it fulfills Inteleon's attack. And yep. with that extra damage on Inteleon, you get to keep it in your hand and make sure it doesn't get discarded. Or you could use it on the Urshifu to Rapid Flow. Yep. Or this is the weirdest one. You can this was the get, coolest one. Yeah, you can go get Echoing Horn, which I think nobody really even considers that you could just go grab an item card. But yeah, Echoing Horn is a Rapid Strike card. So you can go get an Echoing Horn, which is crucial in putting anything back on the bench that, you know, since you're a spread deck, say somebody plays a Luminion, right? Or a Squawkabilly or whatever. Mm -hmm. Any of these like small Pokemon that can't evolve. You kill it once, you throw it back on the bench with that Echoing Horn, you put 120 damage on it with Urshifu, move some damage counters around with the Inteleon and the Radiant Alakazam. That's four whole prizes. Easy right there. And also, you can use it as a disruption. You could use it to fill a bench um, as the final bench spot and really disrupt your opponent's game plan in there because we don't have scoop up net in the format no. anymore and things like that. No super scoop up either. So it's crazy to um it's just crazy the versatility of that card and how i don't really also, remember anybody talking about how you could just use echoing horn for octillery yeah and, and the last card is tower of water so you can also go get a stadium yeah. that gives your rapid strike pokemon free uh two less retreat costs which is which is free, free retreat. retreat to all your rapid strike pokemon <laughs> right um it's so it's it's a really interesting deck i really like i don't know if i actually own a 3-3 line of the inteleon list i don't but i i probably have one or two somewhere uh i definitely like i'm looking at this list and i'm like dang it'll be interesting to see if and how the format shakes up with this deck um because obviously the urshifu it hits for weakness against arc which we saw so much Arceus. like it's it's kind of insane to me how powerful and, and and like how good that card is going to be until the day that it rotates. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think there is any argument ever that it's going to be out power creeped because accelerating three energy, being able to attack with any color, getting two cards out of your deck on your second turn with the ability of the V star, you know, it's so that's going to continue to be powerful. And the only downside of, of the, um, Urshifu is that I believe it is weak to psychic. So, you know, you get a lot of Gardevoir out here doing some some shenanigans. But again, you can spread lots of damage. You can knock out those uh, Ralts and Curlias and whatever pretty easily with all the damage mm -hmm. spread, too. So I don't know. I don't know what beats this deck. Probably a lot of things, but like. It was an insanely good call, I feel like, for this event to play this. I mean, you just. You do so well against so many different decks that are so meta and none of them probably prepare for you. No. Um, I mean, aside, I mean, even Manaphy, like if you think of like Lost Box, right? I play a Manaphy. Well, you just double gunner and you just knock out the Manaphy. Then you can use GMAX Rapid Flow or you could just keep using double gunner. Like, yeah, there is so much flexibility in this deck and there are so many options this was in my opinion one of the coolest decks if not the coolest to come out of this event and i'm so happy that it was played yeah it was a very very cool deck um 
So big, big congrats to Cyrus on uh, taking down the biggest Pokemon tournament ever. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside of that, Jake, I mean, I will say a lot of the field was, I think, pretty similar to what we expected. Obviously, Iono made a big showing being mm-hmm. legal now. Um, and I think Iona was a big reason for Gardevoir's re, uh, you know, reintroduction to the top of the meta field, which we mm-hmm. not really a surprise, but I think we expected. Um, I think the biggest thing that was a surprise in the event is how Lugia was taken off of people's radar. Like there were, mm. there were so many people that decided that Gardevoir and Lost Box decks were the play that Lugia had just a massive decrease than what I think a lot of people expected. Um, so that is, in my opinion, the most interesting thing. And who knows, maybe with, um, with the uh, Rapid Strike Inteleon and Urshifu, maybe Lugia starts to tread back up. Um, of yeah. the deck to play, just being able to hit those Pokemon and trade uh, pretty decently, I feel like. I mean, I haven't played the matchup, but theoretically, I feel like Lugia could do a pretty decent job. You know, one the other deck that I think took a pretty big hit, people were surprised about that the casters were, was um, Mew. Mew VMAX, mm-hmm. uh, it's not like the deck got any worse. The deck is just the deck, and it has been for a year and a half, but it didn't have as strong of a showing and I wonder if, again, it came down to, like, look, if Lost Box is going to see tons of play, which it did, then you're going to see a lot of Drapion. And between seeing a lot, a of, lot of random decks playing Drapion, too. Yeah. And between seeing a lot of Drapion and the prevalence of Arceus Duraludon in particular with the Umbreon and all that, and you just, you just sort of sat there and you're like, man, like, Duraludon walls me out from special energy, Umbreon knocks me out pretty easily like this is a bad matchup so you know i wonder if mew has finally sort of in this moment at least seen its final like big moment but uh does it get better though with rapid strike uh urshifu and Teleon? because because it's one this list isn't playing drapion but yes the weakness like you mentioned but also the fusion strike energies don't get hit with double gunner do they not? No, because they prevent they prevent like the um abilities and stuff because oh. because the fusion strike energy blocks spirit tomb. That's spirit tomb's ability. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Um... Yeah. So maybe maybe Mew becomes more of an upward trend after this if Rapid Strike um box gets more popular. But Mew is only two of the top fifty spots according to Pokestats.live. Yeah. Yeah, the same thing with uh so like yeah, Mew had as many top spots as basically Chen Pao did, which Yeah. I will say also like a, a quick honorable mention here, both Jared a, a friend of mine and then Owen mm-hmm. Rhodes uh, got 12th with Chen Pao. And the only reason I want to bring this up is because I do think that Chen Pao was a deck that I think I thought was going to do a lot better when it came out. Mm-hmm. I think it, you know, it has the struggle of it's still a stage two deck that like even though you play four Irida, which can get you rare candy and backscalibur all on the same turn. So you could just battle VIP pass too. Right. Like Irida's an amazing card for this deck. That said, I think Spiritum really messes this deck up, right? Because yeah. it turns off your 
engine for water. It turns off aluminum. It turns off Radiant Greninja. I think Path to the Peak also can be really annoying for this deck to deal with. Um, all that said, I just will say, all that said, um, I think it actually ha is in a good place if more Rapid Strike Urshifu decks be get played because it can hit those numbers, right? Rapid Strike Urshifu is going to have a really hard time. Like, they might be able to knock out back Scalibur, which is important, but if you can get a couple of those set up, then I do think you're going to be able to hit high numbers on at least two turns to take all six prizes. Yeah, I mean, you're, just your one-shot potential with Chin Pao is huge. Yeah. Um, so you just have to find a way to protect, especially your back Scalibur. Um, and your small little Pokemon in there, which is harder than it sounds. Um, yeah, it is hard. It is difficult. Um, but there is that potential of it being there. And so very, very cool. I mean, we'll touch on a lot of different other decks next week. There was a Darkrai deck that placed 33rd in the event from the legendary Ross Cawthon. Um, there was also, Sean, there was a... I mean, first of all, there was a top 64 United Wings list that stole the show in one of the rounds on stream. But also, there was an Alolan Raticate Claude Sire that I believe was really close to making top 16. Okay, yeah, this is, a, I think next week we should do all the weird NAIC decks. Uh, I do think, yeah, I do yeah. think next week we should talk more about these decks because... You know, at this point, we're preparing now for the world championships. It's going to be the same format. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of stuff that you can take from this event to utilize in there. And we'll talk a little bit more about the meta share. We'll talk about a little bit more what I think. Honestly, I think Garcia's Garatina was also like a super good play for this event, looking at it at a uh, matchup spread wise. And so we'll talk more about that next week. But um I will say just, Sean, do you want to close out with the one piece of news I wanted to add at the end with the schedule? Oh, yes, yes. Or do one you want to say that for Nick? Okay. No, no, we'll say that now because I think as early as people can make travel plans, the better. Uh, That's true. Yeah, Pokemon. So, yeah, go ahead. I'll just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so po I'm trying to, I'm looking at the clock right now. We got to go to work. But Pokemon at the end of NAIC made an announcement of the start of the 2024 season. So they announced all of the major events from September to through October. So if you do not know, at this point, you cannot get any more CP for Worlds. If you didn't qualify for Worlds at NAIC or any cups or anything on Sunday, you cannot go you cannot qualify as a competitor for the world championships so anything from this moment on that you get goes towards the 2024 world championships so if you have any challenges that are starting in uh july cups or challenges those will count towards the 2024 championships and so pokemon announced their schedule we're just going to run through these real quick for 2024 it is going to be pittsburgh on september 8th through 10th in north america uh, Barcelona over in Europe on September 16th and the 17th. Curitiba, I think it's called. I think it's in Brazil, Sean, if memory serves correctly. That is going to be September 23rd through the 24th. So like three straight weeks of Pokemon. And then Peoria Regionals going back to Peoria. I know a lot of people <laughs> have some uh, 
opinions about that. That is going to be October 6th through the 8th. Sacramento in North America, October 13th through the 15th. Uh, Lil? 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 I was going to say, we've talked about that on the, and we've had comments about it before. Over in Europe, October 22nd and the 23rd, and then Toronto to end October on the 27th and 29th of October in Canada. So if you're looking at your schedules, looking ahead, trying to make travel plans, make sure, start looking at that, check that out. But uh, I don't know if I'll be able to go to any of these events just because, again, you know, the this academic year is very hard for me as someone who works in college athletics. The weekends are always busy, but um, we'll let you know if we'll be at any of them. But uh, Sean, anything else you got to add? Nothing else. It was a very exciting weekend. So, yeah. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the Metapod Podcast, the Pokemon Podcast that revolves around the evolving meta. I don't know how many times I had to say that at NAIC for people. But anyways, thanks for listening. We will see you next week.